Welcome to the Productivity Podcast, episode two with our friends at Quinix and Concrete. And today we're going to talk about how you drive accurate forecasting and analytics. Delighted to welcome back Sammy. Hi, Sammy. Hi, Simon. Thanks for having me back. No problem. And Dan is back as well. Hi, Dan. Hi, Simon. How are you doing? Good, thanks. So I think, Sammy, you're the kind of expert in this area. So we'll, we'll come to you in terms of questions to start with forecasting is it's one of those things that has been around for years and clearly people forecast lots of different things the weather um, workload sales footfall but we're really homing in on these kind of footfall sales workload demand pieces from a quinix point of view how do you get a good forecast what are the key ingredients because i see lots of people have been trying for a long time there's lots of talk there about algorithms and black boxes and AI, but what are you guys doing at Quinix to get good ingredients to create a good forecast? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a good question. It's a it's a key question I think to ask as well. So, I mean, firstly, the the way we approach it from Quinix is is in a couple of ways. Uh, we apply AI technology. We also apply non-AI technology and just a, a form of automa- automation uh, to the to the situation to generate forecasts. But but they vary in automation to AI spectrum on that spectrum, depending on the type of business it is and, and what they can actually offer to the forecasting recipe, let's say, if we're talking about ingredients. So I think the first thing to really understand is as a business, do you understand which metric, what thing really drives your labor requirements? And then at what granularity makes the most sense for the business? Because we can forecast things at five minute intervals in the in the product, but does that really make sense for a business that spends an hour with a customer every time, let's say? Um, so really understanding what is driving your labor and and what is going to affect how much labor you need at any given time is is the is the the key ingredient to that under to that process and what, and, what difference just for the, the listeners because everyone's using ai and yeah. automation what difference is ai making than those non-ai forecasts kind of 10 years ago yeah i think the key thing with ai is that it, it's going to save you a lot of time right because the the algorithm factory that we have or the black box uh, can process so much data at, at in the blink of an eye. It can compare all types of different algorithms uh, and their accuracy on an individual forecast, whereas a human would need to do those uh, processes one at a time and sift through that data to understand it. So it's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's not a magic wand, but it can generate more accurate results by applying exponential amounts of uh, equations and data and different algorithms at, at the problem at any given time. And we we really want the approach of artificial intelligence and human intelligence working together. And what I mean by that is that the AI will simplify your life. It'll, it'll give you an output based on the data you give it. And I think that that's key as well, right? Because if, if you're not providing good data or the wrong data, then your forecast won't be right, your schedules won't be right, and no one really is, is getting anywhere. But AI will generate an output, uh, and there are tools in place in Quinix to uh, provide feedback on that output 
for, for the AI to produce more accurate forecasts in the, in the future. And one example of that is I might be, let's say I'm working in retail and I might be having a, a sale on, on Friday and maybe it's a one-off sale uh, and the data that comes out of that, uh, the actual data that ha- has occurred at the end of that sale, that the AI will say, oh, I'm going to use that to forecast something in the future. I might want to say to, to the AI, no, 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 ignore that because that's, that was just a one-off that I had. Or maybe I'm having that sale every Friday and I want the AI to know that. There's an internal event that's going on. Or there are external events like um, school holidays or, or whatever that may be affecting the, um, the forecast that the AI has taken into consideration. So it's designed, we come at it from the approach of it's designed to make your life easier, but it's not going to replace the need for people. Uh, we don't want to see that. And Dan, I assume there might be some stuff from the concrete platform, some of those tasks that become part of that good forecast thinking and generation. Is that right? Or am I kind of off, off no, the no, field? You're 100% right there. You, you just got to think about all this meaningful data that uh, is being held within the concrete product. Um, things like a task has been sent to all these stores. How quickly do they complete it? Um, and we can compare that to data Sammy's saying. So what holidays are on, what um, what information was available from the workforce management side to, to really build a much richer model. Uh, I think one thing Quinix has struggled with is what we, we sort of coin as engagement. And that's the real, like how much is an employee engaging with the product, engaging with the brand? And that's all information that's readily available from a concrete perspective. So marry the two up and you have a, a really compelling model and a much more accurate uh, AI machine. It's a key, key ingredients. And I think this is, this is any solution that consumes data and then pushes data out the other end. Good data in with some intelligence there from people and some intelligence there from machines that are learning should give you the most accurate result possible. And that, that's fair to say. So begs the next question then sammy what should we be forecasting in terms of relatively standard stuff in retail and in my mind you've probably got maybe till transactions delivered items potentially footfall if you're a kind of higher touch environment so there's a what should you be forecasting now but as this technology grows and adapts learns move quickly what could you forecast in the future yeah, I think so. The, the key ones are, as you say, you know, tickets and deliveries and sales, and you know, if you're not in retail, it could be appointments or whatever. And as I said earlier, anything that drives your labour, we can we can forecast it, right? Because you'll have data behind it, behind the historical um, data points as as a business. What happened historically? We'll take that. We'll take as much of that as possible, and that will generate a more accurate forecast moving forward. In terms of you know what could we do in the in the future? I think that it there's really no limitation on it. But I would caveat that by saying there is such a thing as as swinging that pendulum too far into the into the realm of too complex. And you know we see instances from some customers that that come to us and say I have this hugely complex labor model. I'm using labor standards and 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 I'm using hundreds of them or thousands of them, and I'm I've got all these rules around how to uh, generate uh, 
what type of uh, forecast for what types of labor, but I'm still not getting an accurate forecast or an accurate schedule, or I'm not being, uh, the business is not driving in the right direction towards the business goals. And I think there's an, there's an opportunity there to simplify just because things are complex, just because you have a lot of data, it doesn't mean you need to use all of that and throw huge, uh, equations and, and complex algorithms are at the problem. Sometimes even the AI will determine that a very simple four-week average, for example, might be the best forecast for what you're trying to achieve. So for me, when we ask the question, what should you forecast? It always comes back to what is determining your labor and then what other elements of that determine what you do with your labor. And a lot of people talk about, you know, the weather. Can you use the weather and help me forecast? And and sure, but well, what are we trying to achieve? Maybe the weather in terms of seasonality has a much more uh, accurate output than is it going to rain in 30 minutes time or is it going to rain tomorrow and I've generated a schedule based on sunshine. So uh, I think what what can you forecast? Pretty much anything that drives your labor. What could you forecast or should you forecast? Things that, that, that make sense for both the business to understand, but equally the the person at the other end that's reading the schedule, that's managing the workforce in the in the store or the location that has to react to things. Do they understand what they're being presented? That, that's a real key element, I think. And we could flip forecasting on its head, couldn't we? So we're trying to forecast labor demand, which is great. But actually, once we've got that forecast, we could forecast colleague holidays. So when's yep. the best time for colleagues to take holidays? We could forecast potential sickness. Tr- pretty tricky coming out of COVID, but in a future world, where are we potentially going to see the spikes? What population of people does it uh, does it affect? So I think people have focused on the inputs for workload but there's also maybe that colleague overlay and then some of the outputs that may become as important to forecast in the future yeah yeah you're absolutely right and 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 you know a workforce management system has so many data points that, that go into it as you rightly say things like holidays and things like that and 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 now we're at a stage where we can start to forecast an employee churn or what you might refer to as you know, capacity planning and, and, and forward thinking in terms of how much labor do I need a year from now? Uh, when are people going to take their holidays? Are people engaged with the business? And and each one of those topics, I mean, it could be a podcast in itself, couldn't it? That You can pull on that thread and start to ask all kinds of questions about what data points should I look at and how should I react to that? But really anything that's going to affect your workforce, anything that's going to affect your business reaching it, its goals, we can pull data on to help you as, as a business understand how to react to that potential forecast, what, what is trending uh, and, and what situations are you going to have to, to work around. Uh, so, yeah, pretty much anything that goes into the workforce management system, we can, we can start to generate a forecast against in one way or another. And one of the questions we get asked is, so there's a lot of time and effort goes into getting this data pushing it into the solution, human intervention, algorithms run, gets presented to the manager, and then the manager spends a load of time changing that forecast potentially in, in some instances. So how do you kind of analyze how good the system forecast was versus maybe some local intervention to understand 
are those changes that are done at a local level positive? Because there's some stuff you just can't forecast. You know, it was the weather six weeks out is tricky. Even the, the Met Office struggle with that. Certainly in the UK where we go from 30 degrees in one day down to 10 degrees the day after. But how do you kind of then feed back to customers the forecast is doing a really good job, actually, potentially all the effort you're putting in locally to change it is making it worse, or actually you're making some great changes and then the AI is learning from that. How, how do you analyze that and present that back? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one because that in itself touches on all kinds of different topics of, you know, what it, what constitutes a good forecast? Is it comparing against my actuals? Well, sure, if, you, if you're forecasting a number of sales and you're 100% correct with your, your, your forecast, that doesn't necessarily mean your, your schedule was good as well. So uh, again, you need to sort of take big picture and work out what are the business goals? What am I trying to achieve here as a, a, as a business? Uh, remember that a forecast is, is, is a, an educated guess. It's never going to be 100% accurate uh, all of the time. There's no, no such thing as 100% accurate accurate forecast, really, when you're, you're talking about um, business changes. But aim to generate a forecast that's m- going to move the business in the direction of its goals and start to create schedules that support that idea. And when it comes to the the, the people on the on the on the front line that uh, that really have to understand, you know, did I did I change the schedule in a good way or a bad way? Did I apply a a forecast that was good or a, or, or bad? Helping them understand what the business is trying to achieve, and in some cases, um, we we work with customers that are in that uh, evolution in that journey between moving from a a forecast that might be an X-week average or, or, or totally reliant on the local manager, the scheduler saying, well, I'm, I'm going to generate these numbers and I'm going to schedule these people because I like these people and I know how they work, to a place where we want them to use AI, the business wants them to use AI, but there's a potential trust issue there because, oh, well, if you're going to use AI, I, I don't know how it's generating that forecast. And I want to be able to see that, uh, I want you to be able to prove to me that it's going to be better at generating a schedule or a forecast than I am. So we can produce sort of an output inside the workforce management system that shows you things like the AI's forecast versus the manager's forecast versus what actually happened versus the, the schedule that, that was created to meet one of those goals. And I think that's a really key method in in getting buy-in from the people that need to use the system, but also prove a sort of business case that hey, this is this is the right way to go. And now, manager, you have all this extra time to apply elsewhere in the um, in the business as well. And and Dan, I don't know what you think about about when it comes to you know forecasting what tasks actually need to be done inside those those schedules as as well. Well, yeah, we, and I think you and know, I've had conversations around this. It's about, uh, as we discussed earlier, it's that right person, right place, right time. It's understanding that some people have different skills, different preferences, um, different needs to others, and making sure that those people are doing the right things for you. And that is all data and that is all measurable pieces of information that we can continuously tie back to the uh, the AI. But 
like we've said before, Simon, that the intelligence is still learning. It's getting smarter all the time. Um, we're here to sort of feed that information and, and grow a model that people trust, um, and a model that people can use over and over again. Um, I was going to ask a question to you, Sammy, uh, about adoption as well, because we've, in the concrete journey, we've often found that the adoption can be quite slow when people are nervous of the technology, um, are not quite sure about the value it can bring, or often a bit nervous about how that can affect their role. But as we've seen us taking away the menial tasks, the creating detailed spreadsheets, the managing long email lists and actually starting to uh, engage with people a lot more. We start to see different values out of their roles and people starting to adopt the technology in different ways. Uh, Do you see it as a challenge to get people to use AI or do people embrace it early on? Yeah, it, it, it depends on the business, I think, is the short answer, because you have some businesses that, you know, just just the word AI or the acronym AI is it, it sometimes strikes fear into people, you know. But uh, I think making it internally, we have goals to, to make it a explainable, but also uh, b um, transparent. Uh, what is the AI doing? What data is it taking into consideration? How did it? it arrive at the output that it arrived to. And that's one of the, the big initiatives that we're working on in the moment with our uh, teams that, that focus on the, the, the algorithm factory and the output for, for uh, businesses to, to read is how is it arriving at the decision that it's arrived at? Because usually people are fearful of the unknown. If they don't know how something has happened, they're, they're skeptical or fearful of it. So really as, as a business you know, it's, it's our job as Quinix to provide tools that, that do what they say on the box that make you a better business, that can make you more a uh, more optimized business. But we want to work with you as, as your job as a business is really to help those others inside the business understand what you're trying to achieve, how this technology is going to help uh, reach those those business goals and start to get buy-in with it, right? Because that's how any successful implementation of any technology is going to work, is invite them into the conversation about why and, 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 and how it's going to work. So I was going to ask, and I think I'm going to change my question now, because I was going to ask about how accurate we'll get with forecasting in the future, and I think we, we've kind of covered that. So what that really leads me to, uh, to think about now is, if is it more important to spend your effort fine-tuning the forecast or fine-tuning the schedule just the schedule yeah I think. that was where that's where my mind had gone of i could spend <laughs> yeah. a lot of, a lot of time saying oh i'm going to take 7500 on this day instead of 7200 yeah. but actually none of that makes any difference unless i've got a quality schedule which is back to executing the task properly. Some of the stuff yeah. we talked about in podcast one around flexibility, if we've got the right amount of holidays taken. So one of the key takeouts from this from me is the forecasts are going to get more accurate as the machines get clever and clever, but it's all about the data you feed in. And the second point is if you have to choose one area to invest your time, produce a better schedule rather than tinker with the forecast. Is that fair? Yeah, I just stop chasing 100% accurate forecasts. I mean, hey, we spoke about the pandemic last time. No AI was going to predict that, right? So, so they weren't going to predict your 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 
drop in sales from you know January to, to June, uh, but we can learn from that data and, and and we can use it moving forward if it looks as though it's going to going to happen again. But yeah, I would say I, I agree. Stop chasing hundred percent accurate forecasts. Work out what the the schedule outcome is that you're looking for, and and try to get your forecasts and your 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 automated scheduling tools or manual scheduling scheduling tools to to support that because you could have the most accurate forecast in the world the schedules produced on the back of that no one's happy no one turns up it doesn't meet your your employee availability uh, so you've got to take that all into consideration Excellent. yeah i was chatting to one of our customers and they were in a pretty static industry they're in uh, in logistics um and the world for them was pretty laid out, quite nice and simple. A five-year forecast would be easy to achieve. Um, but since 2019, they wouldn't consider that. Uh, everything has become more complex. And looking forward a year is is a challenge. Um, so the world is constantly changing. And at the moment, it seems to be changing uh, every week. So you need to be aware of that. Excellent. And Simon, I think on, on the question you were going to ask in terms of the future, I, I think it's an interesting one. And I, I, you know, I like to think about that. But I think that the, the key thing is that, yes, of course, technology will continue to get more and more advanced. But but I think what at Quinix, what we'd like to do is start to look at more industry specific models. Right. So you know, retail, healthcare. Uh, logistics, whatever, because I think rather than trying to get more and more accurate, it, it's a better use of our time trying to work out what's going to be more accurate for your industry. What are the inputs and outputs and, and external and internal events that could affect your industry? So that's sort of where we're going to start moving with that technology. Yeah, and that makes complete sense to me. I mean, if you got forecast to 100% accuracy, I'd be forecasting lottery numbers, not transactions and footfall. So yeah. we're, we're in the wrong industry, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So summary from podcast two for those listening, good data in, good data out. That's not new news to anybody, I don't think, but I think it's sometimes really forgotten. And really think about where you're spending your time are you spending lots of time editing forecasts for no material gain when actually it's about the quality of the schedule that runs true and let those machines keep learning and thinking about that data and moving the accuracy forward to a point where it's acceptable and then think about the other areas holidays phasing of holidays more static planning flexibility that could be applied to rather than just the norms of footfall transactions, delivered items that kind of the staple at the moment. Sam, Dan, thanks a lot again. And I will see you on podcast three. Thanks, Simon. Thank you, Simon.